Hello there. So, I'm going to be talking again about uh, that issue, you know, the Trumpster fire. So, it's practically absurd at this point to even say alleged misdeeds when discussing, you know, the accusations that we're increasingly familiar with, as Trump has been doing illegal stuff pretty openly. Really, any reasonable person could tell Trump is a criminal or call him a criminal and have no worries about defamation at this point. Granted, Trump loyalists think he would never do anything legal, but those people would quite literally follow Trump to the end of the world. As things stand now, Trump will really struggle to find a skilled constitutional lawyer. You know, Trump went with Rudy Giuliani, but he has been suspended from practicing law in New York, though apparently he's not been fully 100%, you know, blocked off from practicing law overall. You know, he hasn't been absolutely 100% uh, prevented from, you know, doing that kind of stuff. And he reportedly is concerned, though, that he won't die a free man. So, I mean, it's it seems like even he's reached the point where he realizes, hey, I'm in trouble for these things that I've been saying and doing. So Trump needs an expert who can not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. And it's all very challenging to get someone like that who could also win a case for someone who's in it this deep. You can't guarantee a win with someone who got their law degree out of a crackerjack box or something like that. You know, and in this case, I, I think if Trump was to have a loyalist, it would actually hurt him because so far loyalty to him seems to equal stupidity and bad legal advice. As as far as I know right now, his current legal strategy is just nonsense. I, I've seen recent uh, footage of his current lawyer saying that, well, basically admitting that he had, you know, the confidential and classified documents on his property. And she even said that people were able to come in, in and out of the property pretty much at will. So she basically admitted that, uh, <laughs> that he was being, you know, not secretive of the documents or that anybody might have been able to just go in there and just take them who was somebody within Trump's orbit. So that would be mishandling documents, which is part of the, you know, accusation. And of course, his simply having them is, of course, another huge part of this. Uh, there is another thing I find funny and frustrating about all of this. If it was anyone else who did what Trump is accused of doing, I mean practically anyone, especially a non-citizen, I think, wouldn't they be in the slammer right now? You know, wouldn't they be rotting away in a jail, possibly, you know, ending up at a place like Guantanamo Bay or some shit like that? It seems like that to me. It's, it kind of reminds me of how weren't Trump's kids, like, busted for, for cheating charities or something? And didn't they have to attend some classes on how to not defraud charities? Again, 
if it was me who was, you know, committing fraud against some charitable organization, it seems like there'd be a prison cell in my future for something like that. Not that I'd be able to, you know, take a class on how to not be a crook or, or corrupt or however you want to put it. And keep in mind, these crimes are far from the only thing that Trump has been accused of. And also keep in mind, these crimes are from the same guy who's constantly going on and on about all the crimes supposedly committed by illegal immigrants, you know? Though in reality, immigrants, including even the much despised illegal immigrants, are statistically less likely to commit crimes at least violent crimes, and one might understand that without even being all that pro-immigrant either, because, well, let's just think of it logically, they almost inherently have more reason to keep a lower profile. They're, by their very nature of their situation, they have to be a little bit more cautious, right? Unless they want to, you know, get caught just for being in the country or what have you. So for an example of that, the University of Wisconsin-Madison researchers at one point found, quote, compared to undocumented immigrants, U.S. citizens were twice as likely to be arrested for violent felonies in Texas from 2012 to 2018. But, you know, try telling some people that. They, they, I don't think the facts of that will sink in. And obviously, stereotypical Texan rednecks would probably be searching extra hard for some illegal immigrant criminals, so that study sounds rather significant. You know, there's some implications there uh, that shouldn't be that hard for people to grasp. And, uh, you know, some of the country's biggest crimes of all time aren't coming from some random illegal immigrants or some Iranian terrorists. Terrorists. <laughs> I was thinking of a Key and Peele sketch where they talk about terriers. Uh, well, never mind. I'll move past that. Just go ahead and watch that Key and Peele sketch. But anyway, it's it's not coming from random illegal immigrants or, you know, Iranian terrorists or even a highly organized gang of illegal immigrants or something like that. But right from someone who resided inside the White House as president of the United States. Granted, Trump, Trump, <laughs> Trump was far from the only president who has committed horrible acts while in office. I would say, you know, all presidents in my lifetime have done some crimes that in a saner world would land somebody in prison. But he's certainly one of the whiniest when it comes to these illegal immigrants, isn't he? So that's why this issue kind of leaps out at me. You know, where where is some of the greatest threat-making coming from right now? It's coming from the so-called party of law and order. You know, they're literally saying, you know, oh, let's have riots in the streets now. And, and of course, they'll look back on the 2020 stuff to justify. In other words, two wrongs supposedly make a right for these people. You know, the party of law and order and all that. Also, let's very quickly remember that not everyone is in fact so rabidly anti-immigrant, even when it comes to illegal immigrants. So for example, the study from NPR in 2016, or no, it's a Gallup study quoted by 
NPR in 2016, which tracked public opinion on the issue. It found that 65% of Americans favor a path for immigrants who are living illegally in the U.S. to remain in the country and become citizens if they meet certain requirements over time. In other words, it's kind of reasonable, you know. That's not necessarily even, you know, saying let everybody, and I'm sure you can still have exceptions, you know, the proverbial Ted Bundy or the Osama bin Laden or, or you know, somebody like that. In other words, not everyone wants to quickly say no and slam the doors in the faces of, you know, people who overstay their visas or, you know, some people who might be refugees from some crisis or another. And most of which, you know, they've committed the horrible crime of, like I said, merely overstaying their visas. You know, they're not all just flooding in through the... Uh, border wall or whatever. I know Republicans want us to believe literally, literally every illegal immigrant is sneaking over the border and they're a serial killer, terrorist, drug dealer, maniac, or sex criminal or whatever. But these statistics mess with that picture. And, you know, let's be real here. Plenty of Americans, including white Americans, commit violent crimes or break the law. So there's obviously some other factor at work for these constant immigrant bashers here. It's not just that the actual statistics reveal, you know, Im immigrants to be a bigger threat. It's it's kind of a an opinion-based thing. And think about what that entails. On that note, whatever a white person does, you know, if they commit a violent crime, you'll never hear these pe these people demanding for racial profiling of white people. It's never happened because they want double standards. It's almost like they are addicted to having double standards, like they always need a fix. You know, they're craving for it. Like right now, the Republican Party is calling for defunding federal agents and even talking about getting rid of the Espionage Act, all because that would let Trump get his crooked orange ass off the hook. <laughs> so, I mean, think about that, you know, like, that is a double standard. If it was Democrats saying that kind of thing, uh, would they be standing for it? No, they'd be morphing back into the party of law and order. You know, how how dare you criticize these people, you know, or, or these laws or, or whatever. It, it's it's all just a bunch of silliness. They, they're very quick to abandon their commonly stated ideas and their goals, even uh, when it's no longer convenient. Uh, to, to their ability to seek and attain power. Then there are these people who try to craft a conspiracy theory out of the supposed perfect timing of the FBI search because it's close to the midterms. So, you know, I have to wonder, perfect timing for whom? Well, l let's put this in perspective. Had Trump just handed all of those documents over or not taken them in the first place, there would be no timing here to speak of. And in reality, they gave Trump a hell of a lot of time to do the right thing or something close to it, at least, you know, at least partly do the right thing. So if the classified document smuggling thing sinks the Republicans in the midterms, here's, here's a fun little newsflash for you. Trump is to blame for it. You know, like he's he's the one who's done this stuff.
by all appearances, like like you could you could almost perfectly get away with not saying allegedly at this point because he's basically admitted this. So I got to tell you, it's fraying on some Americans' nerves that Trump has yet to even be charged with anything. It's even more challenging when the government is spending millions on his Secret Service privileges, and we now have more reason to suspect the Secret Service has too many Trump loyalists on the inside, including that odd little fact that Mike Pence had refused to even get into the car and be under Secret Service protection on January 6th, almost as if he didn't trust wherever they might be taking him. Either they were trying to maybe delay certification of the 2020 election, or who knows what else. You know, maybe it was something even darker than that. Uh, But putting that aside for now, the truth is Trump's clown team is thus far full of terrible litigators, and they seem to lack the foggiest notion of how to defend Trump's actions or get the clown to stop shooting his mouth off. And basically everyone who is anyone is currently saying no to joining Trump's legal team. So think about that. Still, you know what Trump loyalists would say. If Trump were a litigator, he would have been the greatest. You know, the best. Only the best and the brightest. And honestly, I wouldn't doubt if Trump would want to represent himself in any future case. You know, Ted Bundy style. Which was, of course, one of Ted Bundy's key mistakes, actually. But, you know, the, the whole ego, ego-driven ego thing, that's a part of this mentality and this mindset. You know, thinking that you're so smart that you can represent yourself in court. You know, the loyalists will egg him on saying, in so many words, he couldn't fight any case, or he, he could fight any case to a, to the bitter end, knowing that he was unlikely to lose because, you know, he's just the best and the brightest. And here's the part where I have to get a little grim. None of this is to say Trump could ever, ever get a good attorney, and I'll say more about that in a bit, but there's a reason to think he might not need one anyway. I mean, realistically, if the far-right theocratic Supreme Court justice uh, team, if, if they practice in court the way that Clar- Clarence Thomas wants them to, we may see some rather extraordinary decisions come out in the near future that could allow state legislators, not voters, far, have far more power to deter- determine the outcome of elections. So as NPR noted, in June of 2022, the U.S. Supreme Court has agreed to hear a case next term that could upend election laws across the country with the potential endorsement of a fringe legal theory about how much power state legislators or legislatures have over the running of congressional and presidential elections. The case called Moore versus Harper is centered on newly drawn maps of voting districts for North Carolina's 14 seats in the next U.S. House of Representatives. So the article continues, it says, the Republican lawmakers argue that the U.S. Constitution's elections clause gives state legislatures the power to determine how congressional elections are conducted without any checks and balances from state constitutions 
or state courts. Based on this independent state legislature theory, they contend that the North Carolina state court's decision to throw out and replace the legislature-drawn map violates the federal constitution, an argument that radically departs from the U.S. Supreme Court's historical record of deferring to state courts on how state constitutions and laws should be interpreted. A Supreme Court endorsement of the theory could upend elections across the U.S. So again, that's from a, a an article from NPR. So if this case turns out in Republicans' favor and Trump is able to keep using delaying tactics and these legal problems against him, we may end up with him simply being selected as the next president by GOP leadership in these states and not the voters, and they have made their intentions of doing so abundantly clear. You know, I mean, you can criticize these Republicans a lot, but they've been surprisingly open about all this. Meanwhile, as I've already noted on this podcast, Trump also wants to be able to fire any federal employees who don't kiss the Trump rump enough, so the North Korean great leader element becomes stronger, doesn't it? So for those who say Trump couldn't have been much worse, guess again. You know, if he does get elected, we'll, we'll find out that he could get much worse. Now that he's backed into a corner and has millions of theocratic dipshits out there wanting to force kids to pray in school and God knows what else, if you look at some people like Marjorie Taylor Greene, who spoke at a conference held by the white nationalist Nick Fuentes, things look even bleaker. And I know I've mentioned that before on this podcast, but it bears repeating. And I'll say plenty of this stuff again, I'm sure. I'll sound like a broken record on some issues. But, you know, I, I also want to remind you that Michelle Malkin, who was pretty big on Fox News... She has been openly associating with Nick Fuentes and also other white nationalists like Jared Taylor. So, you know, that's despite her not being white. You know, that's one of the crazy things about these people. You know, they embrace these white nationalist talking points, even though in some cases they're not even white themselves. So things are getting more Nazi-like every day with the GOP, and and uh, it's, it's getting harder to look away for people like myself. And how bad could it really get? Well, imagine Taliban-like oppression against, you know, LGBT people and non-believers, and, you know, I guess just people determined as liberal, to, you know, in some way. And uh, add into that the added racial hatred dynamic expressed by people like Nick Fuentes and Jerry, Jared Taylor. So take a guess how bad that might end up if we let it happen. The Buffalo supermarket shooter cited the Great Replacement Theory as an inspiration behind his shooting, and that same theory has been touted by Tucker Carlson and plenty of other major figures on the far right. These are the kinds of people who often have Trump's back. So instead of ever backing down, I think Trump will try to bully his way out of accountability for his illegal misdeeds. And he'll do this by yelling louder, crying harder, and threatening more lawsuits, and trying to provoke violent ideology. And this is because 
his getting elected will potentially take care of him for life. And it's further assurance of a GOP dominance, regardless of what the population says. So he'll do all he can to intimidate his opponents, and his sheep fans will continue to bleed about how, you know, he is the greatest. And it will only work because his own supporters are backing him, no matter what he does or says. I think that little debate has mostly been settled. There is nothing you can do or say that some people in this country would not support. So another thing we know for sure, Trump will not resign or fire himself. And again, he'll try to make it so if he does get elected, he can fire anyone in his orbit who's not loyal, loyal enough. You know, if he catches word that just some federal employee somewhere in some random location is a critic, well, maybe you can fire them. Maybe on the spot. So just remember, according to the New Yorker, General Mark Milley had told his staff at one point that he will fight from the inside. Well, what if there is nobody like that anymore? What if all these checks and balances are just taken away and no one is there to tell him anything bad ever? You know, I mean, that's where things could potentially end up because that's how totalitarian societies operate. Remember, it's it's never happened before here in the U.S. that, you know, things got that bad, and it will not work very well as a stable country. But that does not mean it absolutely could not happen. Or, of course, someone could come in and follow most of Trump's playbook. So the Trump party simply has to be defeated, and the American people need to be aware of all of these things before it's too late. You know, I hate to sound too... too too dramatic here, but you know, that's just the way things are. I know they are often stupid and apathetic and want to look away, but there will come a point where it'll be much harder to turn back. And the time for course correction is right now. So have a good day. Have a good night. Yes.